never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the pod, of the Top Five Report, the podcast that was planning on making a joke about a future Tetris movie, and then sure enough, there's a future Tetris movie coming. So I can't do that. Anyway, my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Yeah, dude. I literally had a joke written about making a Tetris movie, and then I see the trailer online for the Tetris movie, and I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, it just goes um, to show you never know what piece they're going to give you next. That's a there you go. <laughs> well, that's probably a better joke than what I had. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, how have you been, man? How's your week? Uh, it's been good. It's been a week. Um, it has nothing, been a week. <laughs> nothing super exciting in my personal life. But um, the weekend's here. Um, we're recording on Friday. I just got off of work like 10 minutes ago. Um, so I'm definitely in that. Even though I'm drained from work, I'm in that upbeat weekend mood. So that's awesome. So uh, yeah, how about you? Did you have a good week? <laughs> I did. I watched the Rihanna concert that there happened to be a sports ball game at. <laughs> And, right. um, so yeah that was good but ultimately it was really funny because i was like looking forward to trailers and it seemed like all the good trailers were at the beginning yeah you know like hey we're gonna put the movie trailers up front because the nerds aren't gonna watch the rest of the game because they don't care so <laughs> we'll put the uh trailers up front and then i found it interesting that the one trailer that i was most looking forward to I had to, it finished and I had to rush down the hallway to get online to finish it. <laughs> so, um, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> nice. Um, and that'd be the flash trailer. Yeah. Uh, the flash right. trailer specifically <laughs> stated, uh, watch the full trailer online now. And then me and the kid go running down the hallway into the other room to find a computer. <laughs> oh, I get, I get what you're saying. I wasn't necessarily quite sure what you were getting at that there, but, um, they, they definitely planned that out wrong. They should have been like teasing that there's a trash or a flash trailer coming, but just wait till like third or fourth quarter to actually play it so that you get all the nerds to uh, stay tuned to the whole time. But, uh, you know, yeah. They totally <laughs> dropped the ball on that one, um, for sure. But they did say that it was going to be within the first quarter. So, yeah. Well, fair um, enough. <laughs> well, hey, how about this? Let's talk about what we're watching. Uh, what do you got? I have barely anything this week. Um, I haven't had a time to watch a ton of stuff, but um, I have been watching a lot of uh, this one YouTuber that I wanted to give a shout out for. Um, I don't really let, let my kid watch YouTube on on his own because you never know what kind of creepy videos are going to come up if you do that. But if I'm sitting there with him, we'll like find random, you know, 
fan animations of like Mario versus Pac-Man on YouTube and you can find some really weird and funny stuff. But we stumbled upon this uh, YouTuber called North of the Border. And uh, this guy is awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Drew. But basically what he does is he just makes really awesome sculptures out of clay. Like he'll do like crazy um like he's done one that was like a uh you know realistic version of bauer bowser versus mario he's done like a realistic version of kirby he's done a lot of video game characters but he does all sorts of stuff and uh he kind of has this really cool like he does everything super realistic and uh the best ones to look at are the ones where he goes like really gruesome with with everything like the uh, version of Kirby that he did um, is just like super detailed and super like gruesome like he turns it into like an 80s like horror movie monster or something like that and uh, that was the Kirby one was actually the first one that caught my eye but I'm like obsessed with his channel so uh, if if this sounds up your alley like either you drew or the listeners i would definitely say check it out most of his videos are like 10 to 15 minutes long but they're like the first the perfect length to just watch when you want to zone out for something like that and you're trying to like fit things you know you want to watch something for 15 minutes like that's a definitely a good go-to and like i haven't seen one that i've been disappointed with yet so that guy's stuff is awesome um other than that i'm caught up on last of us of course <laughs> and uh that's honestly about it for me um right. i don't know about you well i watched more of white lotus i finished season one um i'm into season two i'm all like about halfway so whatever did you watch season two yes yeah I've, all right so, I've watched so the episode the episode where audrey plaza and the one chick go and spend the night at that one like Chateau yeah place that's the episode i just watched um okay so that's where i'm at what i find interesting is that the entire show was described to me like a mystery like a murder mystery kind of thing <laughs> um that's i don't know if that's how i'd classify that show N- not only that and it's more like the first season you're more like who's going to die as opposed to who's going to kill the person um yeah but I don't know how I would describe The Last of Us to anybody. <laughs> or the or White Lotus. White Lotus. Not Last of Us. Yeah. yeah, White Lotus. I'm not <laughs> sure how I would describe the show to anybody. It's weird. Like, I was just like, it's a really, really good show. I really like the writing. I really like the acting and the production quality and, like, what I'm viewing. But I honestly, if someone said, what's the show about? I don't really know how I would describe it to get someone to watch it. Like, I can't imagine what the pitch meeting was for that show. It's been bothering me, like, all week. <laughs> like, how do you pitch that to the studio and then go, that sounds like a great idea. Do that. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I would describe the show. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's it's like a intense drama with an ensemble cast um, that involves um, <laughs> bits of, like, murder, violence, and sex. I don't really know how you describe it. I guess you can always pitch the, like intense drama at a um exotic location but yeah i don't really know (laughs) yeah um other than that show's great um last of us tends to continue to be fantastic i am caught up um so i loved the episode with the deaf kid um i loved i started getting like kind of negan vibes with the with the one lady yeah Uh, 
And, and I mentioned that one of my concerns is anyone suffering from Walking Dead fatigue might be turned off a little bit by this show. So I was like, it just, that whole episode felt too Walking Dead. And it yes. really, really bothered me until they, spoiler, uh, killed the girl by the end of the episode. And I was like, okay, not a problem. You know, um, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah you know and that's that's something that really kind of sat with me really badly because i was like no 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 no. let's not have a negan we don't re- like this is something different you know um <laughs> so it kind of it worked itself out in my favor um so <laughs> well that, I, that, oh well keep going <laughs> no, i just loved the episode and it was great to see the bloater for the first time it was great to see that moment with the uh infected like spilling yeah. out but I kind of saw it coming. It wasn't a shock. Like I haven't been shocked by this show yet. Um, and that is the only down thing I have for it. Like I'm not shocked by anything. So yeah, I'm, not that I'm, they need to shock me, but you know, yeah, I'm kind of in a similar spot. Like I, I, I do really love it. Um, there's certain, it's not even stuff that I don't like about the show, but one thing that I noticed is um, like in the walking dead, um, you have like a full season and maybe a season and a half of like people just being afraid of the zombies, just being afraid of the, you know, that's like the main threat. And uh, one thing I noticed with this show, with the time jump, you have like the first half of the first episode is all focused on the infection, on the outbreak, um, the zombies, if you will, I don't They're, I still don't necessarily know well, what to call them. And that's but. something and that's something that uh, the creator of the show was very quick to tell the uh, crew and cast. They are not zombies and do not use that word. So they weren't allowed to say zombie on set at all. So they just <laughs> call them. the They call them the infected. And then you have okay. the ones that are called the clickers and then you have the bloaters. So they have different classifications, but do not call them zombies because that's not what they are. Yeah, but it's the thing that I noticed is with the time jump where you have the first half of the first episode, the infected is the major threat. And then the time jumps jump happens. And we're going at 20 years to the point where humans are now the bigger threat. And it's the same thing with like in walking dead and like 28 days later, it always eventually, like once you have it under control where you can, you know how to deal with the infected. Once you know how to deal with the outbreak, the humans end up being a bigger threat than the monsters, you know? And I do really love that theme. That's the one thing with the show though, is because of that time jump, I kind of wish we had a little bit more of like the infected being the major threat. And like, we have had some amazing scenes like that crazy. um, I don't even know what you would call it, but like that sort of like sinkhole scene in this last episode where you mentioned like the bloater and that huge horde came out. And then like, the scene with the uh, clickers from episode two, like those are some amazing just survival horror moments. I just kind of, I'm still wishing we had a little bit more of that, you know? And I feel like that's where the show is blending with walking dead is after like season I'm guesstimating because it's been a while since I've rewatched through that series. But I feel like after the first few seasons, the humans are the major threat. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's like it went to the humans being the major threat right of right away. And that's where we're seeing like, well, I'm really seeing like Negan comparisons with like the villains they're going with and stuff like that. Um, so it's just I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just an interesting 
thing to think about with the series, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, nope, but that's you're, kind of you're where I'm you're, sitting with it. You're right with me right now, and I'm not trying to be cynical because I think the show is great. I just yeah, I, I'm right there with you exactly. Uh, so we'll see how the show shapes up. I can't wait to see more. So you know, um, yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about the Tetris trailer. What did you think, dude? <laughs> Um, this was, uh, this was awesome. Um, I don't want to, I kind of wanted to bury the lead, but I can't. And it's kind of hard to know a lot to what to say, but this is like, it doesn't seem to be the true story of the creation of Tetris. It's almost like the true story of the scouting of Tetris. It's kind of like <laughs> the true story of That's a good the guy who, yeah, the guy who worked for Nintendo or whatever it was in America who discovered who like stumbled upon this like really cool Russian video game. And he was like, I want to bring this to America and show the world this game. But the, my favorite part of the trailer is probably like the first 20 seconds or so. And it's the man, the main character um, trying to pitch Tetris to somebody else. And it's like in an office building in an office and the way he was describing the game was like this really eloquent wording putting it's almost like he put to words feelings that I have in my own head because he talked about how right. like this is the perfect game. It's simple, but it's complicated. It is a combination of art and math and it's all working together. And the way he, I can I'm not even doing it justice, but I have been a huge fan of Tetris since I first played the played the game. I do think it is one of the best um, games I've ever played. Like, I love it. I think it's a timeless game. I think it is uh, it's it uses your brain. It's just like a really, really well done piece of art. And it's simple, but it's also complicated and it's it's perfect. And that was my favorite part of the trailer is this this character this movie put to words like these feelings I've had to myself for so long and it was just it just felt really genius and I am I'm so excited about this one uh what are your thoughts <laughs> well you summed up the beginning because I was thinking the exact same thing when I was watching yeah. the trailer and then the and then the story in the trailer gets kind of crazy like yeah. with all the Russian stuff and the copyrights. And I love the scene where they're like, you're the first person to see this outside of this complex. This is the Game Boy. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and he's like, you should package it with Tetris. And you're like, yeah, when the Game Boy released, they Tetris released with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's just, of course. Um, and if you download the Nintendo Direct, um, the virtual Game Boy thing for the Nintendo Switch, Tetris comes with it. Um, so it's... It's a real, like, it. the trailer has me so excited and happy to see it. It drops at the end of March on Apple TV. So if you have Apple TV, uh, check it out. I will be watching it for sure. Um, so, yeah, dude, I just, I can't wait. It just looks great. But go watch the trailer for it. I think it'll blow your mind in terms of this looks like a, just a really good, fun movie. Um, and I could be wrong, but it just looks so cool. So Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the real important one, uh, and that'd be the Flash trailer. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, it was a everyone stop talking at the sports ball game um, contest when the commercial came on. And it was like, stop talking, this is why we're all here. 
And then we watched the Flash trailer, which ended short and said, go watch it online. So I rushed down the hallway, turned up the volume, fired up the YouTubes, and watched the trip. Um, I absolutely loved every moment of this trailer. And there were some big surprises. Um, so first off, I'm going to ramble off a couple ones, Peter, and then you can weigh in, all right? Yeah. So sure. first, we get to see uh, Ben Affleck back as Bruce Wayne. But we also get a glimpse of Ben Affleck in the Batman suit, which is blue and gray. And then he's on like that cool motorcycle. And you're like, no shit, blue and gray Batman. Then we get to see Michael Keaton, which we knew was going to happen. Not only that, we get to hear the classic Michael Keaton, Danny Elfman theme with the cool like down the like shaft flight fight scene, whatever that is. Awesome. You get to see the old Batmobile. We get to see the Batwing. We get to see like two flashes which I still think Grant Gustin will have a cameo in this movie. That's still a theory of mine because Ezra, Miller had, a cam- because Ezra Miller had a cameo on the television show. I think, but I, I think they'd be smart enough to do it. Um, but the biggest surprise now, I did not forget that Supergirl was in the movie, but mm-hmm. we did get to see um, the Supergirl for the movie, which was awesome. She looked great because I wasn't a bi- I'm not a big fan of the short black hair version from the comics. Mm-hmm. But when you see I just I'm not a fan of that art style. But when you see her on screen, it works and it's cool. Yeah. What blew my mind was we knew Flash was going to mess with the timeline. I did not expect us to be going all the way back to Man of Steel. <laughs> right. That's what shocked me. Seeing the Battle of Metropolis again, seeing Zod, finding out that it wasn't Clark that landed, it was Kara that landed. Do you see what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, that was the big shock. And that was all in the trailer, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, So I I honestly, I'm just so stoked for this um, movie. And I could break it down bit by bit, but there was so many cool things in this that just, it's like, drop this now so I can go see it. Um, What do you got, man? Yeah, it's after all that you've just said, it's so hard to know where to start. But I think they did this trailer was so amazing. And I feel like people don't even know how amazing it was because that's a great point. It's (laughs) it's a solid trailer. Like the movie looks awesome. But the thing is, you have you have like people with fatigue from uh from just the dc movies in general not knowing the direction i know james gunn kind of swooped in right before this and kind of set a lot of that stuff straight but you're dealing with superhero fatigue in general you're dealing with ezra miller's reign of terror across the countryside (laughs) last year and uh it i feel like people could have easily gone into this trailer with a million reasons not to be excited And since watching it, I have not heard one bad thing. Like, everybody I know is just like, well, that looks awesome. Um, Talk about not bearing the lead. I feel like they showed um, Michael Keaton as Batman so early in the trailer. Like, I feel like it was within the first third of the trailer they showed him. And that's like, you would expect that to be a trailer ending moment. But I kind of feel like the rest of what they show when it comes to Michael Shannon returning as Zod, I don't know if he's actually in the movie or if that's all CG, but still, we have Michael Shannon Zod back. We have all the cool stuff with Super Supergirl. 
I feel like the trailer after Michael Keaton shows up, the rest of the trailer really stands on its own. And I feel like that just shows to the strengths of it. And every like I feel like Flash really stole the show at the Super Bowl. Like everybody seems to be really excited about this trailer, including me. So that is like really awesome. Um, Supergirl, just I want to comment since I'm definitely a fan of the yeah. uh, super family and stuff. I think she looks so freaking cool. Like, I just think we saw a lot of behind the scenes shots um, out of context for this movie. You know, people were leaking shots of uh, Supergirl in her costume, like being held up with harnesses and stuff. And a lot of it out of context, you couldn't tell if it was going to be good. But everything we saw in this trailer, Drew, you're right. It looks cool. Like her look. Her, the way her costume looks and everything just looks really badass. Like there was part of me that was thinking like, okay, take the style of costume she has and do like a guy's version of it and give him a leather coat. And that is your super boy. <laughs> you know, like it looks like sure. a really cool, badass costume, but also versatile enough that you could branch off about off from that. But I'm super excited about Supergirl in this movie. Um, Earlier this week, I was actually listening to the uh, Superman homepages podcast, and uh, <laughs> the host of that podcast had a really, really funny point because he was saying a lot of people are watching the Flash trailer and saying that Supergirl doesn't look comic accurate. And if you say that, you're just showing your um, you're just showing your ignorance because there's comic books that have versions of Supergirl that look exactly like what they're showing you on the screen. So if you say it's not your it's not comic uh excuse me, if you're saying it's not comic accurate, you're just showing that you haven't read enough comic books. And I just thought that was a hilarious <laughs> hilarious point, but uh no, this this movie looks awesome. Um I'm back on the flash train. It sounds like you are too, Drew. Um, I don't know really where else to go. It just looks great, you know. I don't feel like I left the flash train. Um, <laughs> my, okay. I don't, I wouldn't say I left the flash train either, but my enthusiasm was waning in certain regards. Oh. And a lot of that really has to do with, uh, the Ezra Miller factor of everything. And that's, so, and that's fair. Uh, I don't think my, my fascination with this movie never really waned so much as I was like, can I just see it already? Knowing, True. That Absolutely. Knowing, knowing that it's a reset. Um, but because we're going back to Man of Steel through and oh, um, it just I just I'm so excited about the idea of going back to that part of that of the Snyderverse and including through all of that. You know, uh, the one thing I will say, I believe, is a negative is that still picture of Michael Keaton in the suit. He's not smiling weird. He's just standing how he would when he was Batman in the original movie that he was in. But the wide shot, if you're, like, looking at it from a distance, he just has this weird smile on his face. But when you zoom in on it, it's not a smile at all. It's like the way the rubber is pulling at his face. I think it looks weird. <laughs> um, I don't, look at it. Look at it, like, unfocused. Like, don't focus your eyes on it. Just kind of look at it. And you're like, wow, he looks like he's smiling weird. Um, I just think it, like, just at a glance, you're like, that's not Michael Keaton. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't really heard this criticism, but I don't think uh, no, that's interesting. I don't think anyone's making this criticism because everything looks great. But I'm like the one still image that they keep posting. I'm like, pick a better image. So that's just me. Yeah. The uh, other awesome thing, not to 
Not sorry. I don't want to go too far in on the trailer and take up the whole podcast. But the one thing that this trailer does, because Michael Keaton is in this trailer, this is DC playing to its strength, which is, well, not its only strength, but the DC movies have such a long legacy from the Christopher Reeve Superman's to the, uh, you know, Michael Keaton Batman movies. Like, it's playing to DC's history, which is a big strength, you know, like DC can be different from Marvel. It doesn't have to try to be Marvel. And I feel like bringing in bits of its own history, like Michael Keaton is like a really good way that it's playing, you know, DC movies are playing to their own strengths now. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just can't wait. We got a lot of cool stuff coming this year. Um, so, yeah. Let's uh, move on to news if you're ready. Yeah, let's go okay. for it. There is not a lot of news. Almost all of these are super quick things with not a lot of commentary, and you'll see why as I lay them out. Um, <laughs> and then we'll talk about tonight's list. This this might end up being a shorter episode than normal. Um, okay, so for starters, for you Ted Lasso fans like myself, um, Ted Lasso will be dropping March 15th. So I only have a, like, I'm about a month away and I get the next season of Ted Lasso. Can't, cannot wait. I'm really excited. So there's that. <laughs> um, like I said, these are quick stuff. Um, officially, Robert Pattinson will reportedly reprise his role as Batman to make an appearance in the Penguin show. Um, that's really exciting to me because how many times have I said, just give us the Batman show already? Um, and I think it'd be, and I know James Gunn's doing his thing, but if he's going to have these Elseworld projects, I think it'd be amazing to do a Robert Pattinson Batman series on HBO. Like, let's just do it already, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I just think that's awesome. So hopefully that's true. Um, all right. Marvel dropped a couple nuggets this week. Uh, Kevin Feige was talking about some things, some key points, for example, confirmed Deadpool three will be rated R per Kevin Feige. And 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 it will be the start of phase six. Great. Um, We have to wait that long. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen have plans. That involve the MCU, they teased in in a recent interview that they have some mysterious plans in the works. Now, we all know that ultimately they have to start ushering in the X-Men, which is great. So I'm not surprised at this. It just makes me excited, and it makes me excited that they're using the original two guys. Right on. Yeah. Um, Bucky Barnes is uh, reportedly going to be the leader of the Thunderbolts when we finally get to see that movie. Um, All right. I'm Bucky Barnes being the Captain America of that group. It technically doesn't surprise me at all, really. (laughs) Just like, all right, thanks, Kevin Feige. Um, Harrison Ford is replacing um, William Hurt as General Ross because William Hurt passed away. So they got Harrison Ford replacing him. Harrison Ford, by the way, will not just be playing General Ross. He'll be playing President Ross. Nice. Which I thought was an interesting nugget that General Thunderbolt Ross becomes the president of the United States of America so um, not only do we get to see that, which I think is interesting, but it's also going to be Harrison Ford's second turn playing a president on the big screen. Uh, if, you remember, <laughs> if you remember Air, the movie Air Force One. 
All right. Um, next up, the fan, according to Kevin Feige, the Fantastic Four moving forward will be a very large part of the MCU um, when we finally get to see them. Um, that has me really excited. I think I I don't think I expected them to be like, here's the Fantastic Four movie. And then we'll have to wait for the next Fantastic Four movie to see them again. I really did feel that they'll do the Fantastic Four movie and then they're going to become like a central focus. Like I was expecting them to be treated as Marvel's first family like they are, you know. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but. I don't know if I gave it much thought before now, but it, it, it absolutely would make sense to go that route. Um, and if you think about the Fantastic Four, just think about how many Spider-Man comics you've read where they've made an appearance. And I feel like they've they're always making appearance in other Marvel comics. So it would make sense that they would be just like a strong force within the MCU. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin Feige had uh, confirms that a new Spider-Man is in the works. Um, my guess is it's with Tom Holland because I know that they wanted to get that figured out. Uh, there's no word on who, if Tom Holland will be Spider-Man, but Kevin Feige had the following quote about Spider-Man. All I will say is we have the story. We have big ideas for that. And our writers are just putting pen to paper now. So great. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yep. Great. Um, this one I found interesting. Okay, Kevin Feige, in the midst of this dropping nuggets um, and his little like announcements, stated that they feel that too many shows did not get the viewership that was expected on Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. they're going to be restructuring the release schedule a little bit, and not as many shows will be released through Phase Five the way they originally planned. So we're going to see how this shapes out, which makes me kind of curious. So for sure, Loki and Secret Invasion are reportedly the only two MCU shows definitely coming in 2023. All right. So where we thought we were getting a bunch more, we're specifically getting Loki and Secret Invasion, which um, that's great. Um, And I would rather have them. I don't want to say phase four was broken. But I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Phase 4 and are like, what the hell is Marvel doing right now? And I think if you sit back and you look at Phase 4 and compare it to Phase 1, you're going to see that Marvel is in a, because of Endgame, Marvel is sort of in a Phase 1 era of their storytelling right now because they're picking up the pieces from Endgame. So I think where people are like Marvel fatigued is too much dropped with what felt like not enough direction where I think we all expect direction at this point. That's just my theory. I could be wrong, but what do you think? Uh, there's so much to go off <laughs> that, that last bit of the story, but um, just relating to phase four, I think it's a, it's really a catch 22 because you just had Endgame, You just had this huge, like saga ending event and you have to pick up the pieces and move on. And like, as you were talking before you made the phase one uh, comparison, I was actually thinking about that. Like if you watch phase one, it would be pretty easy to say like, 
at the ending of Iron Man and then Incredible Hulk and then Thor, like it would be easy to watch these movies and say like, well, I don't really know what direction they're going with or going in, you know, but I guess the problem is like since especially since phase three, how like honed in and concise all those movies felt and they all felt like they were going towards something. It's a catch 22 where, yeah, they need a phase to regroup and restructure and introduce new characters and stuff, but people are expecting a direction at this point. And it's like, you kind of have to do both to make sure that everybody like keeps their interest. So I, it's, I don't know the right way to do it, but if phase five, five is going to feel like it has more of a direction, I think that's a good thing all around Um, relating it to less um, Marvel shows being released on Disney plus. I think that's really interesting. I feel like on our podcast, we've talked about this a lot lately, but scarcity does make things feel more special. And as much as I really enjoyed watching all the Marvel shows, there were certain points where it's like there'd be moments where I'm like, well, I kind of want to branch out and watch like this show on Netflix or Amazon Prime, but I got to catch up on Loki or I got to catch up on this. I got a like, I don't... to do. I have to watch this tonight. <laughs> right. And it's kind of like I don't want it to feel like a chore. I want it to feel like a special new thing when a new show drops. And I feel like that's the balance that they need to find. And I feel like that's probably the real issue there is finding that balance for people. You know, I think it's funny that you said that, like, like that, I don't want it to feel like a chore. And I remember what was the last movie I went and saw. Shoot. I remember going to, what did we just see? Uh, Was it Wakanda forever or? Yeah, it was Black Panther. It was Black Panther. I remember making a joke about, I guess I got to, I got to go see Black Panther this weekend. Like I have to, for my job, (laughs) like I don't have a choice. I have to go see it this weekend. Speaking of seeing stuff, uh, Ant-Man drops this weekend. Yeah. And I have to wait till Tuesday to watch it. So yeah. (laughs) And since you said you wanted to record on Tuesday next week, I'm going to be leaving the theater fully fresh out of ant-man ready to talk so <laughs> that, that's a, that's a good call maybe i should try to do that too but I have, although i do know i'll keep going i just because of my weekend how it's playing out right now there's nothing i can do i have to wait so i do know that uh winnie the pooh blood and honey just released in theaters too so if you go to the theater this weekend you you really are faced with the ultimate choice do i go to see ant-man Quantumania, or do i see winnie the po- the pooh blood and honey it is a uh, it's a conundrum so <laughs> well ign ign's review of winnie the pooh blood and honey was a four out of ten <laughs> so well then i don't know if i've ever seen ign rate something so low um but yeah but maybe that's what makes it so good you you never know with a, yeah, a cheesy horror movie like that so yeah all right here is the final piece of news for the night Uh, Like I said, all quick hits, very fast. Um, But How to Train Your Dragon, live action movie in the works. Did you know about this? Crazy. No, I I don't know about this. I know you really like these movies, too. So Universal Pictures has put into motion a How to Train Your Dragon live action movie with Dean Dubois, the filmmaker behind the original animated trilogy, back in the saddle as writer, director, and producer. Um, it is slated for a March 14th, 2025 release. Now, because it's so far out, 
that could be uh, that could be adjusted. But right now, that's your release date. I think in a world of how they were able to get dragons to look with uh, Game of Thrones and House of Dragons, yes. there's no way these guys were like, guys, we have to do a live action movie. <laughs> Like, you see it, like, those are dragons on the screen. Like, it's funny, like, we look at Jurassic Park and go, those are dinosaurs on the screen. And now we're just like, dude, screw dinosaurs. Those are dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, I know uh, one of the directors of uh, House of the Dragon was talking about he was uh, inspired by uh, How to Train Your Dragon for one of the big scenes uh, this past season. But this is... I am 90% of the time against live action adaptations of animated movies because usually I just love the animated version so much. And I'm just like, you didn't, you know, it's still legit. You didn't have to make it live action, but I really think they could pull this off. I think how to train your dragon. I'm glad you brought up game of Thrones. Cause when you think about what they did in that in game of Thrones, like as far as portraying dragons, you could really do it. When you think about uh, the Harry Potter movies, you can see how you can take a kid's fantasy series and uh, bring it to life like that. And I feel like How to Train Your Dragon, the world is quite grounded. Like, you can see that world being portrayed in live action pretty well. The fantastical element of it is the dragons themselves. So now that we know we can pull those off, I feel like you really could do justice to that story in live action. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. it just it caught me and I was like, ooh, that's just some really cool news. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, that's kind of the end of the news, man. Um, cool. Like I said, this is kind of a short episode a little bit because it gets us kind of to the list faster. But you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, everybody, let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter, this week yes. it was your pick. So why don't you explain what and why, and then we'll run <laughs> the stuff. Yeah. So this is a weird list. And uh, sometimes the way I come up with lists for our show is I just think, what do I want to talk about? And uh, this week I just realized I've been to some like I've been going to comic conventions since like the mid 2000s. So like I've been to a lot of crazy panels along the way, and I thought it would just be fun to talk about what our favorite convention panels we've been to. Um, I've been to some that are were just really good and some that were just, I've got some kind of weird stories about some of the other ones I've been to. But uh, this is a very niche, nerd, weird topic. But it's also like sometimes you got to think like what kind of podcast would I like to listen to? And maybe I'm just one of those weird niche nerds who wants to hear about what conventions panels you've been to. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I went with. Did you have a hard time with this one, Drew? Or <laughs> the, the hard time was more, let's run the, Remember? Rolodex, or run the Rolodex of what panels I've been to. Yeah. That's, that was the hard part. Like, holy cow, what panels have I actually gone to? So nice. Anyway, um, I got to start. Oh, I got one honorable mention, by the way. I have two, so I can start. Um, my first one is actually a cheat. It's one of those more 
category all-encompassing things but i just went with any panel about um making your own comic books slash breaking into the industry like i eat that stuff up like i'm somebody who's self-published a couple comics i haven't done anything for a while (laughs) which is something i'm trying to remedy at the moment but uh no i just love panels like that like how to make comic books how to make money at comic books how to break in that stuff i just i love i think it's super inspiring i usually try to make it to those kinds of panels when i go to cons so uh yeah good stuff all around yeah yeah um all right so my first and only honorable mention um this was a goofy panel you actually went with me to this panel um i we weren't really sure what it was uh i'm gonna tell before i tell you what the panel is i'm gonna tell you I don't think you and I were fully unsure what it was, and it was kind of (laughs) an off-the-wall panel choice. You're really piquing my interest here. I know, (laughs) and what happened was is it was in one of the smaller rooms upstairs at C2E2, and so it wasn't in one of the large panel rooms. It was one of the smaller ones, and the line was so massive that they got the standing room only and they had the presenters and the people who organize things going, shit, we should have put this in a bigger room. (laughs) (laughs) The panel was titled how to not suck at tabletop Mm. gaming. Yeah, that was awesome. Which I really didn't know what it was, but ultimately ended up being a conversation with a bunch of uh, DMS talking about how to not mess up your game for your players. Um, So anyone, any players there might've gotten some metagame knowledge out of it. But I found the panel kind of goofy in terms of like, they were just like, if this happens, don't do this. I, <laughs> I really felt that was more of the thing because they were kind of telling stories about how decisions they made during a game messed up the game in, in its entirety. Um, I didn't really take notes, but I did kind of like some of the things I was like, that's a good point. You know, so yeah. it was still kind of a fun, informative thing. I'm like, that's a good point. I'll remember that. Thanks for that nugget, you know. I thought this was such a I thought this was such a good panel. Um, I've never DM'd, but they did throw out so many tidbits and it's it's such a big topic, you know, like how to be a good dungeon master. But the thing is, they um, what do I what do I want to say? They kept it was entertaining, like they couldn't cover every aspect of it, but you were entertained, you were interested and they did spew off some really cool knowledge like one of my favorite parts was they were talking about you could be in a D group that your personality might not match with like you might be somebody who's more into the uh more into the role-playing aspects and you're in a group of people who are more into the gameplay and the stats and the uh encounters and stuff like that and that's actually kind of perfect perfectly described every game of D&D I've ever played because I've got a lot of friends who are huge stat nerds, but I've always been more into the story and the role-playing aspect. And it kind of made me think, hmm, I probably need to find a different group to play with. (laughs) So I thought that was really, uh, I thought there was a lot of really interesting stuff that they threw in there, you know? Yeah, right. I hear you. That's, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. How to, how not to suck at tabletop gaming. But yeah, what's your other honorable mention? Yeah, so my other one, uh, this one was actually 
I picked it because it was actually a horrible panel. Like, it was a total disaster, but it was funny. And it's a funny story that me and my friends talk about, like, to this day. But this was at Chicago Wizard World 2009. Um, Me and my friends went to that convention, and we stayed in the hotel. And it was one of those things where after the con floor closed, we were hanging in the hotel trying to figure out what we were going to do for the rest of the night. And we saw that Anime Central, which is another Chicago uh, convention, had panels going on late at night in the Hyatt. Like, so the Hyatt has, um, I think it's like the lower level of the Hyatt. They have some panel rooms and they actually had like after hours panels and it was called Anime Central After Hours. And uh, me and my friends went down there because there was a panel that was supposed to be like 8 or 9 p.m. that we were going to go to called how or it was what not to do at a anime or gaming convention and uh we (laughs) we went down to the panel room and there's kind of just this these group of uh guys who are all like late teens early 20s standing at the front of the room with microphones just talking about random crap there is probably about five other people in the room talking to the people about random crap and we walk in and everybody just looks at us weird and they're like what are you here for? And we're like, well, we were coming for a uh, panel, you know, what not to do at an anime convention. (laughs) And then one of the guys goes, oh, what not to do? Don't F up. Now, he didn't say F, but you get what I'm saying. Yep. And then they just went on and talked about random crap. And what it turned out is like, these are people who are staffing this event to get free tickets. And they were basically just told, hey, run these panels. And they were just down there screwing around it was a total disaster, but it was really entertaining. Uh, shortly after leaving that room, <laughs> me and my friend went into another uh, room that was down there where they had an open mic. Just nobody was in there. And we started talking into the mic and screwing around and uh, stuff like that. So that was kind of just a weird, <laughs> funny event. Horrible panel, but definitely a good story. So there you Horrible go. Horrible <laughs> um, Yeah, all right. Um, all right, so my first one of the night um, is uh, the Critical Role panel um, that I got to go to a couple years ago, right before COVID. Um, Critical Role nice. was in Chicago. The entire crew was in Chicago for uh, they did. What sucks is, is that I found out I knew they had the panel, but they did a live show the night before and I didn't know. Um, so because I missed the episode, because I technically missed the live show, I didn't get to see the um I didn't I some of the stuff was kind of lost on me in terms of them talking, but to see them in person, to see them talk about what they're doing and all that stuff. I'm a big fan of those guys. Um, So it was just a really great panel. The energy in the room was awesome. Um, And I know like a lot of panels have a little a lot of high energy anyway, but it was just like one of those electric moments. It was just a really good, solid panel to go to. So there's not much to it other than that. It's just it was a really great panel to sit and listen to them talk about. Uh, this thing I like a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, yeah. So um, this one, my next one's kind of weird. Um, I can't remember what year this was, but this was at C2E2. Um, I want to say around 2011, 2012, something around there. But uh, I went to the panel that was uh, basically Joan and Vasquez doing a Q&A. And Joan and Vasquez is the comic artist and uh, I guess animator um, who's known for being the creator of stuff like Invader Zim and uh, 
Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. And uh, this panel is just cool. Like, I really really like I really like Joan and Vasquez a lot as a creator and uh it was just kind of cool to see him just talk about whatever people asked him and he's got a really entertaining personality so it was just one of those things that was really fun to go to as far as specifics I don't know if I have a lot of specific anecdotes or um things I learned from from this one it's just kind of like I find him to be an inspiring personality and so it was just cool to go see him talk in person you know what I mean um one of my uh funny takeaways from this panel is uh there was an issue at this one where he everything he said everybody in the audience clapped and it was kind of like <laughs> like at first it was like no big deal but it was like halfway through I was just like all right people are just clapping just because you know he references the aliens movies and everybody claps for that it's like come on like we're clapping a little bit too much even though what he's saying is great but I don't know if you know what I mean it might be more of a you had to be there sort of thing but uh yeah that's my next pick so <laughs> yeah Joan and Vasquez you said yeah yeah just making sure I typed it down right okay um no I hear you I don't know this so it's kind of that's that's one where it's like every now and then you and I have these things where it's like, well, I don't have a lot to say because I don't really have anything to add to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. So the next one on my list is Batman's 80th birthday panel. Um, I went to this one with you as well, right? Did you? Um, no, actually, I think I was on my own. You were not with me at this C2E2 when I did it. Um, See, I OK, because I thought I matched with you on this one because I, well, I know. You could have gone with me. I Honestly, I don't remember <laughs> So I think it was the year afterwards we didn't go because I swear I went with you to the 80th anniversary panel. And the reason I'm protesting this so much is because we matched on this one. But keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> you say something well, no, that makes me think I didn't go. I'll clarify. Just to have the creators to listen to the creators talk. Yeah, and, exactly. Like Jason Fabok up there and you have. Yeah, this is this is the Joe one. I, Hill, <laughs> and I don't remember all the people on that panel. But it was really great to just listen to some of the creators discuss and um, talk about the history of Batman, what he meant to the industry, what the storytelling did, the evolution of the storytelling, um, how it went from comic books to television to movies to video games, back to comic books, like the way it all influenced around that kind of stuff. It was really, really cool um, the way it all played out, pieced together, that kind of stuff. And to listen to them, like ask questions to the audience, which who's your favorite Batman, you know, which version of Batman do you like the better? You know, it's just great to listen to. Um, yeah, I yeah. Don't know. go ahead and talk about it. If, I don't know what else you want to add, but yeah, this one was uh, if you go through our uh, back catalog far enough, you can find the episode where we actually have a recording of this panel, if I'm not wrong. But it was really great. Like, as you were saying, like asking like the actual creators, like, what's your favorite version of Batman and stuff like that is just a really cool thing thing and uh at the same time you're just listening to these famous writers and artists just talk about their craft which is awesome uh my favorite part of this panel was uh mark silvestri was on it who is uh one of my favorite artists um you know he's known for doing like cyber force at image and uh you know going on and doing like uh the darkness comics and stuff like that but he has done a lot of mainstream superhero stuff um at the time i know he mentioned he was working on a solo uh batman graphic novel that he was putting together which i believe has came out since then 
I haven't read it, but I thought he had some really cool stuff to say about the character. Uh, one of my favorite tidbits that he said is when he draws Gotham City, he thinks of it as a character in itself. Like he thinks of Gotham City as its own character. And when you think of Gotham, the way it's been portrayed in film, animation and comics, like it's true, like Gotham is a character you know, in its own right. And it's kind of cool to hear that coming from an artist um, in that sort of setting. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just great to listen to the creators talk sometimes. Which brings me to my next one, which is An Evening with Jim Lee. Nice. Um, you were not with me with this one. This is probably um, the one I wasn't at. I would have loved to go to this. Go to yeah, this, this, one, this one was awesome. This is basically, if you know Jim Lee, if you know his career, starting with Marvel and doing the X-Men stuff, that's kind of what put him on the map. And then doing some independent things and then, then eventually working with DC and where he is today. He talks about his career. I don't think he told any story that I hadn't already heard when he was at the pant when he was talking through the yeah. panel. But ultimately what he was doing was while he was doing the panel, he was drawing. And they yes. had a and they basically had a top down, almost like a what are those things called? The the project like, like a, a projector, yeah. Yeah, it's like a projector, but if you're like old school enough to remember it's like an overhead projector, an overhead projector from like school back in the day if you're old enough to remember those it was like that and he basically had it up there and he would just draw he started with so yeah. he's talking about his time at marvel and he's drawing this wolverine piece and he starts drawing talking about his time at this and he starts drawing this other piece and then batman and harley and he's just putting all the stuff together it was so interesting to just watch him talk like listen to him tell the stories but just watch him draw it was awesome um yeah so, yeah, I would definitely like even if it wasn't Jim Lee, even if it was like, hey, we're going to get Tony S. Daniel or hey, we're going to get this guy or hey, we're going to get um, Scott McDaniel or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, let's put them up there and see what they're talking about. Like, I think that'd be awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. I think um, so. Jim Lee is one of the original image guys. You know, he did the uh, Wildcats um, right when image launched, you know, after his success at Marvel, he went and did image and uh, all those guys ended up like just making millions of dollars and being like rock stars, if you will, of the comic book world. And I think all of those personalities, you know, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, uh, Mike or Mark Silvestri, who I just mentioned, uh, I think all those guys have like some really great stories. But the thing is like me being like kind of like more of an art nerd than anything, like watching a lot of you know, documentaries and stuff like that. I really think that Jim Lee and I, I haven't seen him draw in person, but he like I've watched videos of similar panels that you're talking about. And he is one of the most fun artists to watch draw because he's fast and he's just good. And everything has like that signature, like really cool, sketchy Jim Lee style. And he's just up there. Like, obviously, I wasn't at the panel you were at, Drew, but I've seen him do similar things online. And like, he's just up there just doodling away and he's doing these just like amazing drawings and he's making it look so easy. And you're just sitting there like, why can't I have that power? You know, it's like so amazing. But uh, yeah, that I would have loved to uh, been able to attend this one with you. So great pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dude, what's your next one for the night? Yeah, so my next one, um, I actually went with, uh, so this was, 
I went with a couple friends to uh, Cleveland Comic Con. Again, I don't remember what year. I want to say it was like 2014 or 2015. But I had a buddy who was living out in Cleveland, and uh, there was a group of us that went out there. And uh, we went. Our the panel I wanted to mention from that Comic Con was the uh, Jason Muse panel. So obviously, if you've listened to the podcast, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob and Kevin Smith's movies. And uh, I, I really love the uh, like their podcast, too. Like, I've probably listened to every episode of Jay and Silent Bob get old, like once or twice. Like, I that was my favorite podcast for so long. So I was like, Jason Muse was doing a panel at this con. And this was something that uh, I wasn't going to miss, you know. And uh, as far as the panel goes, I don't know if it was anything super special, um, it was just one of those things where it was just Jason Muse doing a Q&A and being Jason Muse, and it was just cool to uh, hear what he had to say. But my favorite part of this panel was it was going on at the same time as I believe Chris Hemsworth was at the con, and he was doing a panel in like their big, huge panel con- uh, panel hall at this convention. And uh, one of my buddies went with me to to the Jason Muse panel. And after it was over, he was just like, well, that was kind of a waste of time. I wish I went to see Chris Hemsworth. And I got to tell that friend, hey, I don't care about Chris Hemsworth. I care about Jason Mewes, all right? <laughs> and that was my favorite part of this of this panel was uh, I kept my friend from seeing Thor. So I guess that's me being a, a malicious little shithead. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I have never gone to the Jason Mewes panel. Um. I tried to get into one of the Kevin Smith ones once, couldn't get a chance to, but that's all right. Um, one of these days, right? Um, yeah. No, it, I think it'd be really fun. And I've got to meet Jason Muse in real life and like in person. And um, it was, it was just as, it was, it was, the experience was exactly what you'd expect it to be. Um, so, yeah. Um, he, he's he's cool. a true fan. That's one thing about Jason Muse, not to keep going, but he's a true fan yeah, of uh, nerdy stuff. And he's the type of guy who, I mean, he's probably watching different shows, but I just remember on Jay and Silent Bob get old him talking about how he'd he'd always walk around with his iPad, just rewatching the CW Arrowverse over and over again. Like he's really into this stuff. And he's like the type of guy who like if we could ever interview him on on our podcast, like I imagine he might be having more fun with the interview than we would just because he's such a such a fan of this cool stuff that we're into. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so my next one for the night is the Animaniacs panel I got to go to. Um, this nice. was not something with the creators. This was something with the voice actors. So it was seeing the Animaniacs live for real. So the people on the panel were Rob Paulson, who plays Yakko, um, Jess Harnell, who plays Wacko, and Tress McNeil, who plays Dot, and then Maurice LaMarche, who plays The Brain. Um, and it was just all four of us there talking about their careers as voice actors, talking about their careers in the industry, talking about putting the putting together the show, the Animaniacs and the brilliance of the writing and all that stuff. But at the same time, they all essentially did voices for us. So you're going to see voice actors and they're doing all the voices. Um, and it was really great. And, um, Maurice LaMarche was talking about how he created the brain voice and they all kind of talked about different things to create the characters. Um, so it was really just awesome to listen to the voice actors discuss, but, um, to add to it, uh, one of the big things is from the Animaniacs, the song Yakko's world. 
And mm-hmm. at the end, Rob Paulson got up and he's like, before we let you go, we couldn't let you go without this. And then he sang Yakko's World um, <laughs> with, the, with the cast. And then he's like, you guys all better sing along with us. Like, you know, it was just a really cool, it was just a really cool uh, moment. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Did, did he do that just unprompted too? Like, I it think wasn't so. requested? I really think so. Because I don't think anyone specifically said it, but. That's like, that's awesome. And like, you have to remember that really shows how much he values his fans that he would actually do that just unprompted. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible. So uh, that's awesome. It's your felt unprompted. So yeah. Nice. All right. Um, Yeah, I can move into my next one. I feel like this is a bit of a cheat, but I feel like it counts as a panel. Um, And that was, I went with, uh, the costume contest at Chicago comic-con 2014. (laughs) And the reason I went with that is because this is the only convention comic or costume contest that I've actually participated in. But um, yeah, I want to say 2014 and uh, yeah, I have this pretty sweet uh, Ninja Turtles cosplay that I put together. Um, You know, this Raphael from the Ninja Turtles and uh, I actually did the costume contest that year. So Anybody who hasn't been to this kind of event, um, the costume contest at a convention is basically it's usually like Saturday night after the convention ends. And it's kind of like this really big or after the show floor closes, I guess I should say. But it's kind of like this big, like party feeling panel. But it's basically just any of the cosplayers who are there who want to put their name in the hat, so to speak, can do the costume contest and you basically just do a really big parade down the aisles of like the biggest uh, panel room and you get to go on stage and they'll announce who you are and uh, the judges might ask you questions and stuff. And uh, you know, they'll give people awards at the end for like the best costumes and stuff. But yeah, this is uh, this was the one time I ever did that. It was a really fun experience. I got to meet a lot of really cool people. Um, I didn't I didn't win anything, but I really wasn't there for that. I was just kind of there for the experience. Um, when I did uh, the costume contest, there was like the people on the judges panel were like, I know there was a couple, there was like a famous cosplayer. I can't remember who it was. There was somebody else. And then there was Jason David Frank, who um, recently passed away, rest in peace. But he is the actor who played the Green and White Ranger in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And uh, when I was on uh, the stage, you know, when I finally got my chance to walk on stage as Raphael, uh, my friends told me about this, but Jason David Frank turned around in his chair so that his back was facing me and took a selfie with me in the background as uh, Raphael. And uh, it's, I mean, this is years ago, but I've seen it on his Instagram and I feel like you could probably still hunt down that picture, but that's just like, it's one of those things where it's like one of your heroes from like first grade is taking a picture of your costume because it happens to be green, (laughs) you know, but it's also like, that's really freaking badass, and that was one of the best uh, moments for me. So uh, yeah, yeah, dude, that that's actually really really cool. I don't know if you've ever told me that story before. Uh, yeah, um, that's that costume's awesome, by the way. I don't know if oh, you haven't posted anywhere, but that's a really <laughs> cool. Um, I have it on my Instagram, and it's the picture of me and you meeting uh, Robert Bruce from Comic Book Man. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, happen okay. to be wearing that costume. So <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right, so my final panel of the night to discuss, um, this is uh, George Perez and Marv Wolfman. I don't remember what the nice. I don't remember what the panel was titled. Um, this was George Perez's final Comic Con appearance um, because, well, he basically went blind because he was no, and because he can't see anymore, he can't draw comics basically, um, which is which is really sad. But George Perez and Marv Wolfman are responsible for the Teen Titans in the form that we know the Teen Titans today. Absolutely. Uh, they are responsible for Terra and Deathstroke, and um, they're responsible for the Judas Contract. They're responsible for uh, one of the biggest and most influential books in DC history, The Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, so to hear these two masters talk about the craft of writing comics, creating comics, executing these projects, and one of my favorite parts is spoilers – Seriously, these comic books have been around for so long, so it's no big spoiler. Um, so I don't feel it's a big spoiler, but the death of Terra uh, in the Teen Titans. Um, Terra is a 14-year-old girl, and when they had the idea to kill her in the comics, they told this story about they would go to, like, I don't know if it was, like, a Denny's or, like, a diner, kind of like a Denny's, but they would go and, like, have meetings and discuss. And ultimately what was happening was they were going to have these meetings to discuss the book and, like, their writing choices and everything. But what happened was, is they're like, we're basically sitting around these diners having conversations about how to kill a little girl and how we're <laughs> going to, how we're going to handle this and how we're going to clean this up. And, you know, and it's, we're writing a story, but they're like, we could only imagine what people were actually thinking or saying as they were listening to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone walks past the table, the horrible things they heard us say because they were trying to execute it properly and do justice to the characters and do justice for the fans and everything and stuff. So, but it was such a wonderful, wonderful um, moment. I got this brief moment at the end to say thank you so much for what you guys brought to the table and then for the panel themselves. So um, I had a very brief instance where I got to say hi to those guys. So, but right yeah, on. that's that. Yeah, that's the final panel of the night for me. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. I don't even know if I could say anything to uh, give it justice, but uh, to me, it kind of reminds me of uh, some of those moments where you um, I feel like you hear these stories about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and how they would uh, collaborate to create, you know, all the greatest Marvel characters that we know and love. And I feel like it's kind of one of those sort of uh discussions where like both the writer and the artist is trying to collaborate to give you the best story that's possible and uh you know ended up giving us some amazing stories with uh some of the most popular characters we have today um one other question just because you didn't mention it and i might be wrong but did they give us nightwing too Ooh, they might have given us nightwing i'd have to go look that up but they might have yeah. given us nightwing because I'm not sure, but I know they, they call it Disco Nightwing, where it has, like, Dick Grayson wearing that sort of, like, Nightwing costume with more of, like, a disco-style collar. Um, but I I don't know if he first made his appearance in Teen Titans, but I, I he might have, so that's worth looking up. But uh, I could probably go into my 
uh, last panel. And mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of cool that we had like two like pretty heartfelt panels right now because my last one is really goofy. I don't know if it's <laughs> this is another one where I don't know if it was a good panel, but it was it was definitely a good story. Um, so this is actually going to go to uh, Anime Central, which I mentioned before, but it's Chicago's big anime convention, basically. Yep. And uh, I don't remember what year this was. If I'm going to put a guess, it's going to be between 2012 and 2014. Like that's kind of the years that uh, me and my group of friends were going to ASAN a lot. And, uh, you know, I was hanging out. We had a, we had a hotel room and I was kind of hanging out after uh, going to the show, show floor for a while. And I was talking to one of my buddies and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with the rest of the day. And he was talking about different panels he wanted to go to. And he goes, I kind of want to go to this Oregon Trail panel. And I was like, really? Like, they're just going to talk about the game Oregon Trail? And he goes, yeah, it sounds entertaining. And it was one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I remember Oregon Trail, like in grade school. <laughs> Let's check out the <laughs> panel. The thing is, so, so Drew, so you can write down, you can say the Oregon Trail panel at Anime Central. But it was one of those things where like, yeah, I'll go into a panel room and listen to somebody talk about their Oregon Trail strategy. That sounds mildly entertaining. So we start making our way down to the the panel room for this. Uh, and this panel was in the uh, the Rosemont Hyatt, if you're okay, whatever. So so it was in a hotel like it was one of the panel rooms in the hotel. And we start making our way down to the panel room. And we go to the the room and there's this massive line coming out of the panel. And when I say massive, this is like, Drew, it might have rivaled, if not been bigger than that uh, Dungeons and Dragons panel line that you mentioned before. But this was like this line that like wrapped around the entire lobby of the building we were in. And we were just like, this is for Oregon Trail. <laughs> so we went. And at that point, there was the curiosity of, what are we even walking into? So we ended up walking to the end of the line. And even when we got in line, I was like, I asked the person in front of us, I was like, is this seriously for Oregon Trail? And the guy turns around and starts laughing. He's like, yeah, it's a really popular panel. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on here? So anyways, uh, to try to make this story shorter, eventually we make our way into the panel hall. Me and all my friends find a spot to sit. And absolute chaos ensues uh there's a group of people on stage who are talking to, into the mic um with uh you know language that probably rivals like howard stern or uh any sort of radio shock jack lots of vul vulgarities lots of <laughs> lots of dirty jokes at some point they call volunteers onto the stage to form their Oregon Trail group. So they basically are playing Oregon Trail on a giant projector screen while people from the audience have to come up and join their group. And so they name the people in their Oregon Trail party after the people who come up. And then along your way to get through the Oregon Trail, they play mini games. So that's the structure of what this panel is. But it was absolute chaos. It was the hosts on stage saying dirty jokes. It was the people in the audience screaming <laughs> vulgarities at the hosts. One of the guys next to me was just, like, screaming out F-bombs to, like, every single thing they asked the audience for. The, the people who came on stage to actually participate were tasked with 
buying supplies to go on the Oregon Trail. I guess this was a, a running gag. I didn't know, but everybody just spent all their money on bacon. So you basically had a stagecoach filled with bacon and like five people <laughs> trying to make it through the uh, United States. And uh, it was just absolute insanity. But it was hilarious. And it was one of those. It just felt so chaotic from the hosts to the audience to the participants. It was really freaking hilarious. So if you're ever at Anime Central, go to Oregon Trail because it's an experience. And that's the last panel I wanted to mention for the night. So, yeah, yeah. that sounds so <laughs> weird and fantastic all at the same time. Um yeah, and I, I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's like somebody wanted to host a panel. So one year they're just like, well, I'll host Oregon Trail. That sounds like something fun. And it just spiraled into this ball of chaos or what? I have no exact no idea what the evolution of it was. I just witnessed it this one year and it was a treat. So, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. That sounds fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know really to add to that. <laughs> um. Well, how about this? Uh, that brings us to the end of this week's list, which brings us to the end of the episode. So do you want to know what we're going to talk about next week? Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a hard one. And I scrolled through, and not only have we not done this, but um, we're going to really break some hearts next week because we're going to ruin some movies. And I realized we were going to have to do this at some point. But next week, we're going to talk about our five favorite twist endings Ooh, okay cool yeah. so we're gonna ruin some movies but a lot of the movies that we're probably gonna ruin have been out for 30 plus years so it's on you for not seeing it oh man <laughs> uh, you you could go with empire strikes back <laughs> you, you, really, you, really could. you really could but my point is is the fact that the movie's empire strikes back perfect example it's been out for 40 years you haven't seen it by now your fault I don't care. Spoiler. I love it. This is this is a great pick. So yeah, good call. Yeah. Favorite twist endings. We've never done it. Uh, we've been doing the show for almost five years now. I and thought this is perfect. So is this from only movies or all media? I was just thinking movies. Um, okay. Okay. It, yeah, we can stick to movies. So cool. Yeah, I was just thinking movies. So, um, but yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about next week. Beautiful. Um, so are you ready to go? Since it is Friday night, you ready to go? Put this episode in the can and go do something fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go play some Oregon Trail. I'm looking forward to it. So. Perfect. I'm going to strap on my ski gear and go hit the slopes. That's my plan. Nice. That's so. awesome. <laughs> all right. So do us all a favor, everyone. Uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, uh, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be reminding you to not sleep in the truck. Sleep on the forest floor where the zombies can get you. Well, that's one way to go. <laughs> Been saving that since last week, by the way. <laughs> sure, gotcha. All right. Um, all right, everybody. For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.
Mm-hmm.